0: I'm Benjamin Sutton, and welcome to the Jackal Sports Fantasy Premier League podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about the hidden costs of FPL and some of the costs that you might not consider. Now, we're all aware of the budgetary constrictions of FPL. We start with our £100 million budget that we had to distribute amongst 15 players. Now, savvy FPL managers might know that our budget isn't actually that, and it's actually around £36 million, as we had to fill 15 positions when there's a minimum threshold on how much we spend on these players. But although the monetary cost of an individual player is the main and most obvious cost of a player, it's by no means the only cost associated with a player. Now, the first concept I want to talk about is the idea of an opportunity cost. Now, using a definition taken off Investopedia, opportunity cost represents the benefits an individual investor or business misses out on when choosing one alternative over another. While financial reports do not show opportunity cost, Business owners can use it to make educated decisions when they have multiple options before them. Essentially, it's the cost of what we miss out on when we choose something else. So, for instance, if we have Salah Sterling and Kane in our team, we're likely costing ourselves some very good premium defenders and some depth. And, of course, the reverse is true as well. We simply just don't have infinite money to buy everyone. And this is something I think a lot of FPL managers don't give enough gravity to when bringing in an essential player because they're not thinking about what they have to give up to do so. The first cost I want to talk about is the cost of a team slot. Now, a lot of managers will know you can't have more than three players from one single Premier League team in your fantasy team, which means each player comes with a cost of one of your three tokens for that team. The best way to highlight this is probably by talking about Alisson and Edison, the Brazilian goalkeeping duo. Manchester City and Liverpool are probably the two best teams in the league, which means that their spots are incredibly valuable. And when you consider that the defenders on those teams scored way higher than the goalkeepers did, it's something that you have to consider when getting one of those premium goalkeepers. Alisson didn't miss a single game last season, and yet he was still outscored by Robertson, Van Dijk and Trent Alexander-Arnold, when Trent Alexander-Arnold missed nine games. And when you realise because of save points and bonus points that defenders on weaker teams such as Fabianski on West Ham or Debravka on Newcastle way outscored any of the defenders on their team, you can see that premium defenders comparative to premium goalkeepers are a much better investment as goalkeepers' points are more closely tied together. So using these precious Manchester City and Liverpool spots on goalkeepers when you could be getting far better value out of their defenders, doesn't seem like a good investment to me, and why you should be aware of the opportunity cost that having a goalkeeper like Alisson or Edison can bring to your team. And it obviously doesn't just come with goalkeepers, it comes with all players. Someone like Mason Greenwood is a very popular pick because he's a 4.5 forward on your bench. But Manchester United might be a very exciting team this year, and you might want three of their players. If you've got Mason Greenwood on your bench, that means you can only get two Manchester United players starting in your team rather than three, which might be optimum. It's probably the hidden cost and the opportunity cost that's most obvious in fantasy Premier League. But it's definitely worth thinking about and keeping in mind when making decisions. The next thing I want to talk about is the cost of positional slot. With what I've already mentioned about the minimum spend on players, the idea of a starting 4 million defender in the form of Lundstrom or Kelly is an obviously great proposition. He costs zero pounds of your budget, and it doesn't cost us a slot in a team that we're likely to want more than three players on. So surely, it doesn't really cost us that much. But as mentioned, we need to get 15 players in a very rigid team structure of two goalkeepers, five defenders, five midfielders, and three forwards. That means we can only have a certain amount of premium defenders. And you can tell from looking at last season and going through the data, that premium defenders are some of the most valuable players you can get. Defenders are just genuinely underpriced in Fantasy Premier League. Last year, Trent Alexander-Arnold scored 6.67 points per game, which means he probably should have been valued at about 13 million. Andrew Robertson should have been an 11.5 million asset, and Virgil van Dijk should have cost about 11 million. It's crazy how underpriced and how much value you can squeeze out of premium defenders. So when we get a 4.0 defender, we're actually costing ourselves a lot of points despite getting something for free. And also worth considering, a 4.0 defender does cost the same as a 4.5 million midfielder. That's why I've never been a fan of non-playing or even non-contributing bench players. Not just because they don't provide cover, but they also take up space. It's like having an empty box in a packed warehouse... That box takes up space that could be used to store something else which can generate future profit, in our case, points. But an empty box just sits there with no potential for returns, eating up space. My bench fodder this year is Jürgen Lacardia, but he's a player that I know I can start if I get an injury or a suspension, and considering he only cost me a million over the minimum amount I have to spend on that position, he's someone that actually comes with upside, especially in Potter's system that looks very attacking. So considering there's a possibility that someone like Ducardia can actually increase in value and give you long-term benefit by making profit off them, I think that's a far better investment than having Wickham or Greenwood just sitting on your bench doing nothing except eating up space. The last thing I want to talk about is the cost of actually replacing a player. So let's use the example of Mason Greenwood again. If he were to get loaned out or get injured for the entire season where he's got absolutely no upside, we've now got a real dilemma of how we're actually going to replace him. Perhaps he's cheap enough to just ride the bench, but there he'll cost space and hemorrhage value that could be turned into profit. Hopefully he'll be lucky enough to have money in the bank to replace him, but you might not. It might take multiple transfers leading to points hits and the cost of losing a decent performing player to upgrade elsewhere. Players lose form and their starting spots all the time. We're never going to not have to replace our players, but some players are easier to replace than others. And one thing to consider is supply and demand. Perhaps supply and demand isn't the best phrasing of this because obviously it's an inorganic market set by fancy Premier League of how they want to do their prices and the team structure. But what I mean by this is that there's enough players available to try and fill the positional spots and the price spots that we want to be filled. It's another reason I'm very much in favour of premium defenders. If you think about it, we've got a big six that should all keep clean sheets and do well defensively, with defenders getting attacking returns. And we also have Everton, Leicester, and Wolves, who might be very good defensively as well. And if you listen to my podcast about player regression, you'll know I'm a big fan of Matt Doherty going into this season. So when we have potentially nine teams who could be good defensively, all having four starters, that's a hell of a lot of players that we can fill in. And when you think that the most expensive defenders there are are 7 million, it's not hard to move between them. It's another reason why I don't hate that forward slot this year of probably around 7 million and below. There's so many players in that group, and we only have three forward slots. It's not unreasonable to think that three very good players in that price point will emerge... And also it means we can jump between players with very good fixtures. Conversely, though, there's not that many premium forwards. And I remember it being a huge trend a couple of years ago that people wanted to get three massive, heavy, expensive forwards. But if that happens this year and people end up with Kane, Obama, Yang and Aguero, where do you go if some of them start to fall flat or get injured? There's no easy way of replacing them. You have to go down before you can go up in the midfield section or even if you realize that you should probably spread your team value around a bit more, that's more than two transfers you're now going to have to spend. So thank you for listening. Hopefully you've uh, picked up a few things and you're starting to think about various costs that can happen with certain transfers and certain decisions that you make. Um, This is probably going to be the last podcast before the season starts. I don't know how much I'm going to do When the season starts, ideally, I'd like to be able to do sort of a quick one of these, but with a decisions, decisions thing. So whether that be captaincy, what transfers to make, what transfers not to make, um, and start sit decisions, all things like that. That would be quite nice to do within the season. Um, But I've been Benjamin Sutton. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Ben Sutton Jackal. And hopefully I can see you soon after a very illustrious game week one for us all.